But here's the thing about the plot of the original episode. The writer of that episode wanted to put in a reveal that the Doctor orchestrated Rose's existence so that he could create and groom the perfect companion. I'm so glad that episode didn't get made. (laughs) Yeah, no. I don't like that. (laughs) This is You Got to Know. I was just talking with my boyfriend about how um, he was like, I've heard of Doctor Who before and I've seen episodes in the past, but I forgot how weird it is. <laughs> and it really is. It's just a strange show, but it's so good. Just a fucking delight. Like, I I supposedly, and I say supposedly because I have no memory of this, I supposedly grew up watching classic Doctor Who. Oh. My mother swears up and down that, like, I have been watching Doctor Who as long as I've been watching Star Trek. And my first memory as a human being is Star Trek. Um, No fucking memory about this show until, like, 2008. No fucking memories. That's hilarious. Yeah, I've grown up watching this, too. But, of course, like, you know, I've told you, I, I didn't watch it until David Tennant's first season. So, like, the first episode of the second season is what I remember. Is that on until I think I stopped watching just after Amy Pond left. Yeah, that was around when I stopped watching, too. I think I was a season into Clara, Mm -hmm. and I just kind of lost interest. And I picked it back up this year. And, oh my god, you are going to love the Twelfth Doctor. Oh my god, you are going to love this man. I'm going to have to watch it. He is a fucking delight. The first three episodes of this season are, like, the perfect setup for trying to revive Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Because for those who don't know, um, Doctor Who was a long-running sci-fi show from the 1960s? I... Part of me wants to say the 50s, but I'm that's really stretching it. the early 60s. Um, early to mid. Yeah, like it started out in black and white. You had the mini skirts. You had the beehives. And it then got canceled in the 80s? Late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it was just in this weird limbo. And like, honestly, like I will link a series of documentaries that got me back into Doctor Who last year that actually discussed this. Um, This dude discusses Doctor Who like actor by actor and he touches on the weird wibbly wobbly era between its cancellation and this series. And when this series came back, oh my god. Russell T. Davies, you are a miracle worker. I am hesitant but excited to see his return to Doctor Who because, oh yeah, if you didn't hear, uh, they are bringing back the original showrunner who did this season and did all of 10th Doctor's seasons. They're bringing him back. 
what? Oh wait, no, I think you told me that. That's so cool. There, there's of course I gotta agree with the fans who are hesitant about what it means for Doctor Who, but at the same time, the Russell T Davies era. This is this is my favorite era of Doctor Who. Like honestly, I think this is my favorite season, hands fucking down. Yeah, I can definitely agree. It's up in the top, like probably top three, one of the top three seasons I've seen. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. And the pilot is honestly a great example of just how powerful this show was starting out Mm -hmm. when it's i am 25 years old i was 12 when i remember starting doctor who and to this day i still feel like a 12 year old when i start watching that first episode it's pretty good honestly it's probably one of the best pilots like it gets you of like pretty much most shows i've seen like it gets you on your toes like from minute one pretty much I mean, like, there's not really a single moment in that first episode where I was just like, okay, this show is going to suck. Like, of course, I knew the premise of Doctor Who and knew I was going to like it, but it was just, it started out just from the jump, like, super entertaining and, like, the, or the, like, you know, aliens on that season with, like, the um, mannequins, that scared the shit out of me. Um, (laughs) And I just loved it. It was so good. The Autons are... Listen, they are cheesy. They are weird as hell. But to do that practically in 2005, where all these actors cannot see and they are just stumbling around being menacing, but also that special flavor of cheese that you want with your Doctor Who. Doctor Who can be as poignant as it wants to be, but you need to throw me a cheap-ass CGI alien or a dude in a rubber mask every once in a while. <laughs> like, man do, man, do they have that, too. <laughs> Goodness. Oh! The face oh. of Bo? <gasps> the face of Bo. Oh, he's delightful. Weirdest-looking thing ever, but I love him. Same. Somehow, I... There is so little you get about the face of Bo, but he is so endearing all the same. Just being there. Except does he end up does he end up being bad or something at the end? I can't remember. No, but he does die technically. (laughs) Wibbly wobbly timey whiny shit, you know? (laughs) We technically see the death of the face of Bo, but he's technically not dead. Yeah, that that's basically the status of every single Doctor Who character is technically they're dead, but like the dialects, like they, they you know thought they were gone, and then the, at the last was it the last episode that they let us know that, or was it the yeah? And mm-hmm. ends up there's like over yeah, it a was the very them, last and like that's scary. That I literally just watched that episode like a half an hour ago. That oh, we'll get to the finale soon enough because fuck, that's good. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite episodes of the season. Because after that first episode where we get we get the cheesy alien, we get the Autons, which funny enough, that was how they introduced the third Doctor too. He had a fun little Auton adventure. Really? Yeah. So that was like really fucking cheesy. That's just, that was the episode or episodes. It was a multi-episode story. Uh, that cemented the Autons as my favorite Doctor Who alien because they're just 
they are somehow both menacing but weird as hell and you can't take it seriously but at the same time i know if i saw a mannequin move i'm booking it I'm running! I'm out of there! It terrifies me and kind of makes me halfway happy that some, uh, like, department stores and everything don't have heads on their mannequins. <laughs> that would be terrifying. I could not. I could never. I'm telling you, that episode scared the piss out of me. Like, But then you go from that to, hey, you want to go watch the world end? Yeah! That is such a big jump. Also, the fact that the last human, quote unquote, last human, if you could even call that a human, was basically a parchment piece of paper or a piece of piece of parchment paper sprayed regularly with freaking water to hydrate her. Or was it acid? It was acid. <laughs> I think it switched between. I don't know. I I wouldn't put it past Cassandra to put like salicylic acid in there or something keep herself clear. I think it. It was acid because I feel like I remember her making it a big deal. I know deal. at one point they did switch it. I don't know if they switched it. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks ago that we watched. Yeah, it was a ago. <laughs> That's just exposing our production schedule. Also, the fact that I straight up lost my first page of notes. So, with the first and second episodes, I cannot remember exactly, but hey, it's okay. I get the gist of it. How did you feel about that episode, though? Like, I, I felt like it was just kind of, kind of just chaotic. And also, I was, like, just terrified that, um, you know, something, like, I thought she was going to die. Like, I thought they were all going to die. They're, almost every episode, it put had me on the edge of my seat thinking that they were going to die. Oh, yeah, same. And that's the fun part about that. Because, like, even watching it back 14 years later... Or at least 14 years from when I found it. Uh, it. They somehow managed to keep these stakes so realistic that I genuinely forget sometimes that, like, Rose is going to live a couple seasons longer. It's chill, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, God, the sun, the sun barrier is going down. She's going to get fried to a crisp. Get on the floor, girl, please. Honestly... Every episode scared the shit out of me. I'm not gonna lie. I scare easily, though, so that's not saying much. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of jumps. Oh, especially the Empty Child, episode nine. Yeah. Uh, No, I had my eyes closed for most of the time. That is an iconic set of Doctor Who episodes. Like, I, in my personal life, I give Stephen Moffat a lot of shit, but those were two very well- episodes the empty child and the doctor dances are truly some of the most iconic episodes like we get this iconic monster that first of all it's a child yeah and it it was so weird watching them transition from like being human to the like masks from because it's set in the is it world war one or world war two I can't remember. I believe it's two. Okay, yeah, and they're, yeah, it was World War Two. you're right. And, um, you know, seeing the fact that they, like, you know, turned into the ma- the gas mask, and you could see that it was, like, growing out of their skin, because you could see on the sides of their face, like, their skin was all torn up where it was coming out of their face. It's, oh, 
even if that CGI by today's standards is cheesy as hell, that does not change how well the actors are able to genuinely sell the pain of that transformation. It is so unsettling. Yeah. Ha! Huh. Mommy. Mommy, is are that you, you mommy? mommy? Are you my mom? Like, uh, no, bye. Also, um, that episode, The Empty Child, was the episode where I noticed that Rose is flirting with literally everyone at all times. Oh, yeah. Rose flirts so much with everyone, everyone. all the time. And it's so easy to overlook. But then you'll like get to that. It's it's Jack. It's Jack that makes you realize it because Jack also flirts with everyone. Um, yep. And that's what makes it so explicitly clear. Like, nope. She's just kind of along for the even though she keeps paying all this lip service to like, no, I have a home and a family and Mickey. I mean, first of all, she's in love with the doctor. Mickey. Yeah. Oh, and the well, no, wait, we'll talk about that episode in a minute. Yeah. But also, after that, on top of her just flirting with everyone, she's still stringing Mickey along, making it out like they can make it work. Which, listen, I am here for whatever relationship dynamic you want, but keep the boy in the loop. If you want to go space traveling and you want to have all these fun hookups and flirtations, at least at least talk to Nikki about it and make sure he's okay with it or let him go date the girl in the shops he was talking about in the, what is it, the third to last episode he mentions he's seeing someone and then she gets all butthurt about it. Yeah, and then she, um, I think they just like, when does she, did she ever take him with her in this season? I She does next season. Okay, that's when it was. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I almost wanted him to go with her, um, like, whenever, on that episode, whenever she was like, come with me, come with me, and he was like, no, I'm not doing that, I'm not gonna go with you. Um, I almost wish that he would this season, but I know that, you know, next season they're gonna do that, but it is kind of weird how she just up and was like, yeah, I'm gonna just trust this random dude, um, and just takes them, and then he, like, fucks everything up. I can't remember what episode that is. That's also an interesting thing that they examine in this because with this also being the reboots, when Rose comes back and we get this reveal in the Slitheen episodes that what he said was 12 hours. You have been gone for 12 hours. Go home, see your family, catch up. We find out it's actually been six months. He got the timing wrong, and after they come back from a couple of adventures... I think it's a, it had actually been a year. Yeah, it was, like, a solid year that she is just missing because the doctor fucked up the time. Yep. And that, oh god, I've I've already lost my train of thought because I'm just sitting here like, she lost a fucking year of her life. Her mother thought she was dead. That's horrible. Okay, now I remember because that is the first time that Doctor Who ever addressed what happens when the companions leave. Mm-hmm. We had never really gotten any, like, kind of stuff with the family. Like, there's even this iconic moment where Sarah Jane, one of the Doctor's companions that we actually get to meet in the next season, 
Um, we don't find out in the original series whatever happens to her after she left. Mm -hmm. And the doctor dropped her off like a country off from where she lives. Instead of 12 months off from the date he was supposed to get her there, he got her on the right date. Just the wrong fucking country. Uh-huh. Wow. And we never find out, well, next season two of the revival, we do find out what happened with her. But up until that point, we didn't know what happened when companions went home. We didn't know what happened with their family. Yeah. This was the first time that was ever addressed. Actually, something I wrote down for whenever she does go back home that first time. I really liked that she was still able to visit her mom, though. Like, they, And they had gone back multiple times. I mean, it's not just that time that they had gone back to her time period. Um, and the fact in that episode, like, she was trying mm -hmm. so hard not to tell him, trying not to tell him over and over. And then finally she does tell her mom, oh, and man, was she mad. She was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, didn't want her to go. And then, you know, made the doctor oh. promise that he would take care of her, which obviously is not possible. I mean, let's be real. Like, he's fighting aliens and could very <laughs> possible. Obviously, she dies in the future. <laughs> like, doesn't she? I can't remember if she actually did. Yeah. I mean, she, mm, it, see, here's the thing. Uh, there's also the extended canon. Spoiler alert, if anyone is listening to this and hasn't watched Doctor Who or hasn't watched past season one of Doctor Who in season four, I want to say, well, no season two, she gets uh, sent to a parallel universe where her dad is alive Whoa! Uh, because it's the only way to protect her. But then in season four, she crosses back between dimensions to okay. like help the doctor in this giant like ex infinity war crossover with all of the companions uh and she then gets sent back with a clone of the doctor technically and <laughs> and gets to live out her life but there is a comics event currently happening with the eighth doctor and the eleventh doctor where i i don't think any of that happened or it got like it happened but then within her own universe it got retconned i don't totally know what's going on i hmm. am a little scared of what's going on with rose right now but i completely forgot that she got put into the other <laughs> dimension again it's been years since i've seen those seasons so it's been a long time but yeah i rem um i definitely am gonna have to rewatch it and see all of that because that sounds crazy um, also, the Slovene were, that was just really weird. They were just, like, why, they just kept farting. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is one of those episodes where I'm going to fully admit, I know this, those were two episodes that were written specifically for children with the Slovene and their farting. But I never grew up. I still think that shit's hilarious. Oh, yeah, it was definitely funny. I do like how their their explanation of it, though, like, because they're just so big mm -hmm. and they have to crunch down and you know it, it's it's kind of like a you know obviously they get smaller to go into the human bodies and so like where does that mask go what do you do with yeah. it and so they got it too yeah because you just you just got these big green blobby baby faced aliens and you're just trying to squish themselves down into a human suit and 
Boy, <laughs> if you thought spanks were bad. I'm sure that's very uncomfortable. I'm sure. Oh, but no, Aliens of London and the, I forget what the, oh God, there was this, that was a two-parter. I'm forgetting what the other one was called. But, second part is World War Three. Yes, World War Three. The- and then she, the girl one, I for the life of me cannot remember her name, but she comes back. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Boomtown episode eleven. Oh my God, Boomtown! I have a fun little fact about that episode, thanks to those documentaries I mentioned earlier. Did you know that episode wasn't supposed to exist? What? What, what happened? Uh, if I'm remembering the context correctly, I remember the plot of the original episode more than the context. But if I remember correctly, it was essentially a big time sci-fi writer was supposed to um, write this big episode. And it just got too ambitious. They couldn't do it in time with the production schedule. Production of season one was mad fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why... Um, we only get the ninth Doctor for one season because Christopher Eccleston just said, fuck this, I'm out. Um, yeah. And he only just returned to reprise the Doctor for the first time for the Big Finish audio dramas. First time he has reprised his role since. That episode uh, then got scrapped and they had to last minute write something. And that's how Boomtown came about. But here's the thing about the plot of the original episode. The writer of that episode wanted to put in a reveal that the Doctor orchestrated Rose's existence so that he could create and groom the perfect companion. I'm so glad that episode didn't get made. (laughs) Yeah, no. I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, because like, yeah, the Doctor, he's very Lokian. He's very puckish. He's, He's mischievous. He's not, at least, he's not devious in that way. Yeah. He can be devious. He's not an evil mastermind, though. No. And that's, that's some evil mastermind shit. That's, that's like what the master would do. Yeah. I say that, and now I remember the master is supposed to be the dark reflection of him, so technically if the master would do it, the doctor would do it. I'm not gonna think about that too much. Oh, also, speaking of the um, Boomtown episode, um, I think my favorite part of that episode, her, like, last meal, because they were going to go and take her to go and get executed on this planet. I think it was her home planet, wasn't it? Yeah. um, Raxa... Fuck, how do you say it? It's like Raxa... (laughs) Oh, fuck, that's long. Raxacoria Cophalopatorian. Raxacorica Phalopatorian. Yeah, How did anyone on that set say that? Yes, that one. I would literally never be I honestly can't pronounce any of these planets for the most part. But I loved that part because they said, okay, well, we'll, you know, tie you up or whatever. And she says, oh, dinner and bondage oh, I love works that. for me. <laughs> and I died. Like, I died. Oh, that was so funny. She, I think, I, I don't remember the alien's name. Her host's name was Margaret, I think. Delightful. Fucking delight. Love that actress. Oh, yeah. Me I. Too. She was, of all the, like, 
aliens they could bring back, she was the best choice. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the whole time at this point in the season, we've got Jack. Jack Mm -hmm. is the best. I adore Jack Harkness with my whole ass heart. I don't really know exactly what it is about him that I like. I think it's mostly just, like, his personality just really meshes with them perfectly. And, like, I feel like he's a great addition to their little, like, duo. Um, You know, also the fact that he flirts with anything that moves, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, you know what? It probably doesn't have to move. It probably it, be cool with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty it doesn't sure. even have to breathe. I'm pretty sure there have been multiple instances akin to that during Porchwood. <laughs> he is the bisexual icon we deserve. Oh, yeah. Facts. <laughs> but, yeah, I really like Jack, though. And also, the many, many times that he's basically died and came back, like, or almost died and came back just fine. Like, even in the episodes that he was introduced in, I mean, he was trying to save them, and he, was it, there was something that he had in his ship. Was it a bomb? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, it was um, about to explode. Yeah, when the doctor and so he, and then, yeah, he teleports him out, which it was so funny whenever he teleports him out because he did it, the doctor did it the same exact way that Jack did it, where he did it super sneaky and like they didn't even notice. And then he was like, hey, you don't even notice that you're getting teleported. And then they do that to Jack and they're like, you don't even notice that you're getting teleported? What? <laughs> and it was, Sassy motherfuckers. Oh, they are. They are completely. But, you know, I just really liked that. And then, of course, you know, in the last episode, you think that he dies. And then, does he really die? I can't remember. Here's the thing. He does actually die. Uh, He is full-on flatline dead before the bad wolf revives him. And that is how Jack got his immortality. Jack was totally mortal before that episode. Which also then means... Every single event of Torchwood is kind of Rose's fault. I need to watch Torchwood over again because it's also been a really long time since I've watched that. Oh, dude, you do. I, Torchwood and Doctor Who do my favorite little thing, which is technically there is a watching order to them because there will be little jokes in like the first or last episode of a season of Torchwood that will then... Uh, you will see the aftermath of in an episode of Doctor Who. Specifically, there is a finale where Jack just disappears and you hear the TARDIS engine playing. Mm -hmm. And then you go to, I don't remember what episode of Doctor Who it was. I just remember it was a Martha season because I adore that woman. I love Martha. God, just Martha, my beloved. I am in love with that woman. but the the opening of that episode is then them landing in Cardiff to recharge the TARDIS and the doctor just going, oh shit, wait, and trying to run as he sees on the monitors Jack Harkness going full sprint at the TARDIS. Just, you're not gonna get rid of me, motherfucker. <laughs> it's hilarious. And now that you say that, I think I remember, because you said that was in an episode of Doctor Who, right? Yeah. Okay, I think I remember that episode. Oh, yeah. And if you watched that episode, after you watched, I think it was the season two finale? It might be the, actually, no, it's the season one finale now that I think about it, of Torchwood, 
that episode leads directly into the Doctor Who episode. And it's it's fun little bits like that. Or there's like that Infinity War kind of team up of the companions I mentioned before. There's, I think there's, no, there's not two. There's only one, I think, that Torchwood is involved with. That, that also then ties into a season of Torchwood where they talk about it. It's brought up because it was something that the whole team ended up getting involved in. Huh. I think it's crazy how shows will do that. Like Grey's Anatomy, they do that a lot with... Um, a couple years ago, they started... Well, there was Private Practice. It was a spinoff from... Um, uh, I can't remember her name. Dr. Addison Shepard. Yeah, that's right. Addison Shepard. I don't remember her last... Yeah, Shepard. Didn't they yeah. just bring back Dr. Shepard? So, I don't know. I stopped watching after season 13, so I kind of was like, <laughs> this shit's stupid now. Or no, it was season 14 or 15 that I stopped. Yeah, they're like on season 16 or 17 now. What the hell? Grace, I'm that still going. That show scares me. Oh, yeah, after the 14th season, it was, like, the entire season was about Meredith getting, like, going on, like, freaking, she was in on trial for insurance fraud because she, this child that she was doing surgery on didn't have insurance, and so she used her child's insurance for her, this child, and, like, it was, it was so stupid. It was so stupid. After that season, I was like, fuck this. Nope. <laughs> all done but they did that kind of same thing where they like we kind of refer to it because not only did they have private practice they also had station 19 oh my god they had another spinoff that yeah that spinoff started about four years ago and i'm pretty i want to say that's still running now like but it was like um dr bailey's husband um whatever the frick his name is her her second husband he decided he didn't want to be a doctor anymore he wanted to be a firefighter and so that's what station 19 is about is like the firefighters and they'll have like little um like mashups of the show all the time and they'll kind of make the stories kind of tweak to like kind of fit each other in certain senses mm -hmm. and it's yeah they do the same there thing is a it's terrible yeah <laughs> yeah there's another Doctor Who spinoff that I still need to watch. And this one I'm very curious about after I caught up. Well, I'm mostly caught up on current Doctor Who. I'm, I've been, I say I've been slogging my way through doc, the 13th Doctor, but I haven't watched an episode in like a year. Um, I, I adore <laughs> Jodie Foster. I'm going to be sad to see her leave the role. But I am not a fan of these seasons. But I... But there is there is another spinoff. I believe it's called Class. It's something like that. And it's specifically following this school that has repeatedly popped up throughout Doctor Who. But I believe the first place it did was in the first season because that was the school that the Doctor's first companions came from. Because the Doctor's first traveling team was two school teachers who were stumbled upon the TARDIS because they were worried about their student, who is the Doctor's granddaughter. Huh. Doctor has a granddaughter? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, yes, his first companion was his granddaughter, Susan. 
who has popped up a couple of times before. Um, I cried when I found out how she met the eighth doctor because eight is my favorite. And, oh, oh God. Every time he mentions her in the audio dramas, I get so misty eyed. But she was his first companion. And essentially what happened is on their adventures uh, one time, she she met a boy in Rome and decided, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to stay here. And she's like 16. Huh. It's just like, why? I get that she's a time lady, but why, why would you leave your 16-year-old granddaughter in ancient Rome, buddy? Yeah, it's probably not the best idea. Um... <laughs> that seems pretty dangerous. <laughs> Wouldn't do that. I mean, she she did technically live a long and happy life, but that's not the right time. That still feels like a big gamble to leave a sixteen year old who just decided she's in love with this ancient dude. Yeah, he doesn't make the best decisions sometimes. Oh, he really doesn't. But that's that's kind of my favorite thing about certain iterations is like i i made this note when i was watching the finale which is realizing why i love the eighth or the ninth doctor i love the eighth doctor but i love the ninth doctor specifically because he is so dark and tortured but it's not sort of like how 11 got kind of dark and tortured there at the end uh it's it's i mean he just got out of the time war which they bring up a couple of times. This man is not just struggling with PTSD because he just got out of a war, but also he's dealing with the loss of his entire planet and grappling with the fact that he knows he made the right decision and he has to justify that decision to himself, even though he knows it was both right and wrong at the same time. Yeah. And he has to continue to make those decisions with full knowledge. Like, I remember at one point in the finale, like, one of these people on the station that has been invaded by the Daleks. They are the last defense while he tries to get this machine together so they can wipe them out. And she, this person's shooting at him, realizes there's no way that them and their guns can stop the Daleks. And she just starts screaming, you lied. And you can just see the anguish when they cut back to the doctor. Yeah. Because he knows that in the end, that was still the right decision to make to stop the Daleks for good. Yeah, or like whenever the Daleks um, emperor says, um, you know, like he's talking with Jack about the... Um how they're going to do use the it was it gamma wave or was it delta it was I, the delta I, wave that's what it was yeah, delta wave and he was like yeah we're going to use the delta wave it'll destroy them and then he's like well did he tell you that this will actually wipe out everyone in the ship and all humans and like it was like, wow, that's insane. But also the doctor was like, well, we have to do that. And Jack was like, well, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm cool with it. Let's do it. Because, yeah. I mean, that really I was mean, the only way to save them. And the dialects are like, like they will, if he didn't destroy all of the humans, then they would have destroyed all the humans. But then, of course, we get 
probably one of the only Dusex Machinas I will ever excuse, which is Rose deciding, fuck this shit. I don't want to sit in the past while the doctor is trying to save all of existence in the future. And ends up becoming the bad wolf because she stared into the time continuum. Yeah. And then she's just like, yeah, I'm gonna kill these bitches. And she just, like, pulverizes them, turns them all into dust. Ugh. And it's just, the bad wolf confused the fuck out of me as a child. The bad wolf still confuses the fuck out of me. But it is my favorite little bit of subtle world building because I didn't do it this time but next time I watch through season one I'm going to count every single time you can see or hear bad because it is everywhere on the tiniest little things just bad wolf in every episode every scene they can get it in yeah or like whenever like in the basketball court whenever she realized oh I can go back because she saw Bad Wolf was spray painted on the um, asphalt on the basketball mm-hmm. court. It was spray painted in like four or five different areas on like the brick by the basketball court. Um, it was the name of the like, or it was no, it was like said all the time. Like it was constantly put into her mind, and then she realized, oh wait, that's a link from the future yeah. to the past. Like that's how I back which i still don't understand how she did that but you know whatever also how did she know to do that like you know it's a self-perpetuating paradox it's my favorite part of doctor who is they make you do the hard thinking because they acknowledge there are these paradoxes they can't exist but a lot of times they do and i love when this show plays with paradoxes oh my god oh my gosh speaking of paradoxes that episode um, episode eight, Father's Day. Oh. Oh. oh, that episode, I was like, fucking Rose, why'd you do that shit? She changed the entire oh. history. And then um those dragon things were like Yeah, the Reapers. Yeah, and they're they're like a drawn to paradoxes and things like that because um yeah. you know. And then she holds herself. Yeah. The Father's Day is like my favorite example of a good character study because not only are they able to show us, you know, all of the issues that Rose had growing up without her father and with all of the ways he was presented to her because her mom did what she thought she was doing well is your dad's dead, so I'm going to tell you and show you what a good person he was you know we loved him he did all of this to try and provide for us and he was just a dude like he was kind of a shit dad but he was trying his best in really hard circumstances like they were lower class they're living in i forget i forget what it is called fuck i there's a specific term for the kind of apartments they live in council they live in council buildings uh, so they're like these. What was council building? They're, if I'm remembering correctly, because we are American, we're very. If you couldn't tell by now, we are not British. I only have the vaguest idea <laughs> of what's going on, of uh, like TV licenses and council buildings. But uh, if I understand it correctly, it's kind of like uh, low income housing. 
And he, they are in these bad circumstances where he's basically going for every snake oil option he has to try and fix their situations because they have a baby. He has a family. And he's still kind of a shit person. And they don't hide from that. And Rose has to cope with it. And seeing how they both struggle with it is the best thing they could have done for their character development. Yeah. Definitely agree. Oh, by the way, we got Rickrolled in that episode. Oh, we did. That was that was delightful. Yep. That was as soon as it came oh. on. I honestly, I kind of love how they it came on. I was like, god damn it. <laughs> god, I haven't gotten like properly Rickrolled in a really long time. Like, they got real lazy there for a minute. I got like properly Rickrolled on TikTok the other day. Like, I got genuinely angry over it. <laughs> I haven't got angry, like, genuine, like, anger, rage over a Rick roll since I was, like, 12. And this person just pulled it off so flawlessly, I I would have expected a million things before a Rick roll, And it was just there, on my For You page, just hanging out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it was, it was at the height of berries and cream. I low-key forgot about <laughs> berries and cream for me. I know, it just disappeared from my For You page. Now it's just Bones. Yep. It was a Bones day, wasn't it? Or was it a No Bones day? <laughs> I, no, it's a, it's a No Bones day, but I could already tell that, considering how fucked my morning was. Oh my I God. was convinced that yesterday was going to be a No Bones day. It was probably the worst day ever. Aww. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm good now. It was just stressful yeah. at work, so I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, no, yes, the le- we got two Bones Days in a row, and then a no-bone day. Dang. Well, it's okay. Oh. Um, okay, so one thing I did like about the last two episodes I will bring up. I love how they made it, like, Squid Game meets Big Brother. Yeah, yeah it, it was all of these uh, British reality TV shows. The, all of those were just iconic British TV shows. And, like, I I don't remember if you were a Big Brother kid, but I was a Big Brother kid. I fucked so hard with that shit. Of course I was. Oh. Ah. It was, it was so good. I would stay up and watch it with my mom when I was a kid. It was so good. Same. Do you remember the Alice in Wonderland season? No. I don't remember it. I just know that I watched it. I that is the only season I only remember two seasons and I only remember them because one had a like a flaming rubber ducky room and the other had an Alice in Wonderland theme and I love Alice in Wonderland so much. You know, maybe I should watch Big Brother. I think that was the season with Evil Dick and his daughter. I really thought that they had like cuz it said they had like what 100 different games or something on there. I- and there was just it was just a bunch of different game shows. It was really cool, and at first you're like, oh, yeah, cool, a game show. And then you find out that when somebody's eliminated, they aren't just eliminated from the game, they're eliminated from life. Which then later you find out that they are actually being, or aren't they being turned into the dialects or something? They are. It's more horrifying than the fact that they're just being disintegrated. The uh, Because the whole setup is essentially like, Ooh, reality TV shows. This is so much fun. And then you get the dystopian twist of, oh yeah, people are just watching people be killed for failing Big Brother. Um, mm-hmm. And 
then you find out after that through my favorite twist in this whole show that they are actually being transported to a Dalek ship because Mm -hmm. Rose gets eliminated in front of the doctor and Jack when she is literal feet away from safety. And then they cut to her, to the point of view of a Dalek just closing up on her and Rose losing her shit because as far as she knew, as far as anyone knew, Daleks didn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it is the single best twist in this entire show. Yeah, because, I mean, from, what episode was it? I think it was, oh gosh, which one is it? Oh, it was like episode four or five? Six. Yes. Because it was the episode, wait, no, 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 no. This episode set in, like, the... Yeah, yeah, no, it was episode six, because it was in 2012, and it was in the United States. Oh, yeah. Of course, they they portrayed yeah. Americans perfectly. Um, oh, yeah. They're, their say. American characters are hilariously oh, fun. Oh, they were great. They were great. It was exactly how America would be. Because, um, of course, it's just going to be this rich proto-Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yep. Of course. And I, I literally wrote, fuck this guy. <laughs> He's the worst. Oh my god, and Adam. This other extra in that one. Adam sucks. Ah. He is so annoying. And then he comes with her, doesn't he? Oh yeah. I yeah, was the one who went up, to uh, the news station or the satellite five. He went with them to the next episode and fucks yeah. everything up there. Um oh, there- there's another fun... I, I don't actually read the Doctor Who comics, but every once in a while I learn a tidbit from them. He uh, never comes back in the show, but he gets a resolution in the comics. He goes, like, full villain. You can see that. He, I don't remember if he was, like, a sidekick kind of villain or if he was, like, his own fully-fledged villain, but there's a point in the comics where he's just like, Hey, Doctor, you fucked with me. I'm gonna fuck with you now. That was his villain story. His villain, or, mm. ri- or her origin story, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back to the main topic. Um, Something I really liked about sa- the episode Satellite 5, which I will say I think is my favorite episode on the entire season. Same. Um, oh, yeah. You find out later in the episode, or sometime in the episode, that... They have been controlling the media for so long and like, you know, it's, it's been like fake pretty much. And it Mm -hmm. just reminds me of what we're going through nowadays where everybody's like fake news, fake news. Yeah. And it's really interesting considering this episode is from 2005, which first of all, it has one of my favorite Simon Pegg cameos of all time. Um, But also this being in 2005, it is set in this really weird time where everyone still looked at basic news and was just like, yeah, all of this is fine. We can trust everyone here because it had barely been a lifetime since news went over from like its original format as this, you know, certain time, certain place, certain story very selective, commodified, almost caricatures 
as you trust your news anchor, you know, and local news to the world of CNN and the world of 24-hour news and constant information. And the fact that this episode, if it had aired today, would be considered so poignant, but it aired in 2005 and was considered hokey and unrealistic. It's so realistic. a little... Yeah. I think my favorite bit of news that they told, though, they said, the face of Bo has just announced that he's pregnant. (laughs) I, oh, I love those little bits like that. I love whenever we just get a random little face of Bo update. (laughs) I know. Just always in the background. Oh, we get to watch Clueless next. Yes, I am. I don't think you understand how excited I am that you're finally watching it. Um, first off, I don't know how I let you, as my brother, get by for 25 years without watching the immaculate, just perfect movie. Like, like I don't even know how I can describe my feelings about this show or movie because it is just my childhood. Like, I love Cher with a passion. Um, she is like. I think in my adult life, kind of who I have kind of based my personality on a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I love Cher. <laughs> um, but also, it. I was just talking about this with my therapist, but I um, I told her, I was like, yep, I'm finally getting my brother to watch it. Um, the only way I was able to do that was by making it on this podcast, apparently. So... <laughs> But hey, that's how you got me to watch One Tree Hill and mm-hmm. um, Ghost Whisperer. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of a You're, trade-off. Yeah. Uh, you just yeah. reminded me of something that I have meant to tell you for like the last five years, but I forget every time we talk. There is a Clueless TV show. It aired from 1996 to 1999. So we might have to do that. Yeah. I'm going to send you the IMDP page now. This is like, this was a thing. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking. 